How's everybody doing today? I want to welcome everybody out today, let you know we're glad that you are here, and uh, we hope you come back if this is your first time or if you're just visiting with us. Um, we want to be a place where people learn the truth about God and understand God and have a relationship with the God of this universe as a result of being here. And we started a new series last week entitled Fearanoia. And um, we're talking about fears. I have learned over the last handful of years how much fear plays in to my decisions as well as those around me. Once you start seeing it, you see it everywhere, and I don't believe that's just a paranoia. <laughs> I believe it is accurate. And as we as were talking about, last week we talked about that fear, our fears are in opposition to our faith. And we looked at King Saul in the, in the book of 1 Samuel. Uh, if you want to look at the case study on fear, I encourage you to go back and look at, at King Saul's life. I encourage you to read and study the entire book of 1 Samuel. Uh, though Saul doesn't come onto the scene till around chapter 8 or 9. Uh, and it, if you want to listen to the lesson from last week, if you weren't here, it is available online at greateraltonchurch.com. Is the other website up, Tom? The, the new website is up. And so uh, you can go there and, and listen to any of the lessons that you would like to on that. Um, but today we're going to be talking about recognizing my fear. And one of the things that I just made the statement about is that I believe fear is, is, is all over the place. I believe every person in this room has fears that either do influence and control them or threaten to. And I, I don't think it takes long to look at this. There are all kinds of fears involved uh, in our lives. Uh, one of the big fears for me in my life has been a fear of financial ruin, fear of bankruptcy. I grew up with bill collectors calling the house. We, the house that we lived in was a, my parents had bought on contract for deed, which means there's no bank involved. There's the, the seller that owns the house is financing it. And every year my father would get a letter uh, saying, okay, you're six or eight or ten payments behind that you did not make this year, and you need to make those payments by this date or we will repossess your house. I answered the phones too many times as a kid, uh, and I learned that there were bill collectors on the other end. And uh, my father, the majority of my life growing up, had what was called uh, straight commission sales jobs. What that means is, if you don't sell anything, you don't get paid. And by the time of nine, ten years old, I understood that if my father didn't sell anything, he would not be able to give my mother a check to go buy groceries. And so at the, by that age, literally every day when my dad would come home, I would say, Dad, did you sell anything today? Because I understood that him selling something today influenced his ability to give my mom a check three or four weeks down the line. I mean, my understanding was limited, but it was also somewhat accurate. And to only be clear, I never went hungry Okay, not in the sense of, you know, not having food for two or three days. Uh, but we didn't always have the food I wanted either, which is probably normal for most kids. But I fear, I fear financial ruin. 
I fear losing all my money. I fear not having money, being able to make my house payment, and losing my house. And that's motivated me through my life. First, early on in life, it motivated me to avoid financial responsibility. You know, let's don't have payments. You know, let's don't have a bunch of debt out there. I, I made the joke that I brought debt into my, our, my wife and I's marriage when we got married. I owed $600, and 300 of it was to her. <clears throat> yes, yes, yes. But I, it was, it, that fear influenced me. When I got into owning my own business, which is, by the way, uh, sales, uh, a straight commission sales job if you own your own business. Um, I worked very hard. And I made decisions based off fear. My, young, my oldest son was born on April 4th, 1994. It was a, a planned C-section at 8 o'clock in the morning. And by 11.30, I had left the, the hospital and was going and I went and put in two windshields that afternoon. And if you want to know why I did that, the business was young, the business was less than a year old, and we had just started getting some contacts in the insurance industry, and they had just referred me two jobs, and I feared that if I didn't do them that day, they'd quit sending me work. And so I did that. My daughter was born on January 12, 1998. And I, she was born at 11.30 at night. And when she was done, I went back to the shop, cut a piece of glass, and at two in the morning, I was putting a rear window in a semi in Vandalia in the snow. Why? Because I feared if I didn't take care of that customer, they would go somewhere else, and guess what? I would have financial ruin. And guys, I don't think it takes, takes much to, to look very far to, to see fear at play in each of, in every one of our lives. Why, as a teenage boy, did I not ask out more teenage girls? I was afraid. I had reason to be afraid, by the way. But I was afraid that they would say no. I was afraid that I would feel rejection. And if I didn't ask them out, I wouldn't face it. They feel that rejection. Guys, the fear is everywhere. Does anybody here fear what people think about them? Does that fear of what people think about you influence what you do? What you say? The clothes you wear? Perhaps even the TV you watch? Because you fear being not in the in crowd. Not being able to talk about what everybody else is talking about. See guys, fear is there in our lives. And as we talked about last week, we're taught by God, if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you have made a decision that you accept His offer of salvation and you want to live with Him as the Lord of your life, you have said, I want to live by faith. And guys, as we talked about last week, fear is in opposition to our faith. Fear opposes our faith. We're going to be looking a lot at 1 Samuel 15 today. If you've looked in your notes already, you'll see that there's several verses from 1 Samuel 15 there. I highly encourage you to go and read that entire chapter for yourself. It's very fascinating. It's, it's very clear. 
where fear gets in Saul's way of obeying God. In uh, chapter 15, verses 1 and 19, this is what it says. It says, Samuel said to Saul, I am the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over His people Israel. So listen now to the message from the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty says. And in verse 19 it says, Why did you not obey the Lord? You see, in 1 Samuel chapter 15, he just read in verse 1, the Word of the Lord comes to the prophet Samuel. He takes it to Saul. says, this is what I want you to do. Down in verse 19, it says, he didn't obey. Now what goes on in between there is, it, 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 again, I encourage you to go back and read it. What happens is, Saul, or Samuel tells Saul, this is what God wants you to do. I want you to completely wipe out the Amalekites. Because basically they were mean to God's people when God's people were coming out of Egypt. And he says, well, I want you to completely destroy them. And what he means is you leave nothing alive. Not a woman, not a child, not a man, not a dog, not a cat, not, a ca- not none of their cattle, none of their donkeys, none of their camels. You kill everything was what God commanded Saul to do. And Saul goes out and, and, and he rallies over 200,000 of the fighting men and they go face the Amalekites. There was another nation who was near them and he says, get out of the way, we don't want you killed too. And they go and they wipe them out, except they leave the king alive. And it says that they left the best of the cattle and the sheep. In fact, the fattened calves. But then everything that was weak and despised, they were willing to kill. But the good stuff, they were unwilling. And so God speaks to Samuel again and he says, go talk to Saul because I'm sick that I have made Saul king. And so he goes to see him, and and as Samuel the prophet walks up to King Saul, King Saul greets him and he tries to get out ahead of this thing, and he goes, The Lord bless you, Samuel. I've obeyed the command of the Lord. And Samuel says, Oh yeah? What's that bleeding of sheep I hear in the background? What's that lowing of cattle that I hear? Oh well, you know... We did what God told us to do. We destroyed all the people. But the men, the soldiers decided that they could keep this stuff because we're going to sacrifice it to God. And you see, guys, what goes on there is he said he's got this idea that he obeyed God when he didn't. He partially obeyed God, which, by the way, is not obedience to God. And you see, guys, this is, this is what we're talking about. When we talk about our fear versus our faith, my definition of faith that I've shared with you before is that faith is when you take specific action based off specific Scripture and you trust God for the result. In this situation, Saul had very specific Scripture or instruction from God. Kill everything. He took action that was different than that. Now, I don't know everything that was really his motive. I question if it was really the men that did it. Because I just don't trust what Saul has to say. Or what he what's recorded that he did say. 
But he only partially obeyed. He didn't do what God said. Ultimately, he didn't trust God. I'll only obey part of it because I think this is what's good. And you see, guys, I want to let you know that if you're a follower of Jesus, God has and does have specific instructions for you. That book that we call the Bible is full of specific instructions to you. And not only that, He is giving you something, a gift, called the Holy Spirit that lives inside you. That reminds you of the instructions that He's given you. And guys, just the same way that King Saul had Samuel come to him, we have the Bible and the Holy Spirit to guide us, to give us specific instructions. And that is how God expects us to live. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 and 6, this is what it says. Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. You see, guys, we face the same decision that Saul faced. Will I trust what God has to say is the right way? Will I trust His instructions to me? Or will I give in to my fears? Will my fears be louder in my life and cause me to not trust God? That is the decision that every one of us faces. And you see, guys, as we talked about last week, you cannot live by your fears and be a person of faith. If you look at this passage here in Romans chapter 8, It says the spirit that we received is not a spirit that makes us slaves again and causes us to fear. The spirit that we have makes us God's chosen children. And with that spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. You see, guys, in the first blank there, just after those verses, is that my fears oppose my faith. And guys, that's what I want you to realize when you start examining your fears. And today, that's what we want to talk about, is how do I recognize my fears? I think it's easier to find an opponent you see. Is that not correct? Can you imagine? Sometimes you you have this in science. I like science fiction. And you'll go in, there'll be a scene in science fiction where somebody has to fight somebody who's invisible. You know? That makes things a little difficult. And I think it's important that we are able to see what we are fighting, what is opposing us. And to do that, we need to recognize our fears. We need to see what those are about. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, the first one we're going to be talking about is when we talk about how do I recognize my fears is that I commit that I will live by faith. Commit that I will live by faith. In 2 Corinthians 5, 7, that's what it says. For we live by faith, not by sight. Now I say that, guys, because I wish it was easy. I wish once you made the decision to follow Jesus, everything was easy. Everything was obvious. But that's not the way it works, is it? 
I wish I just all of a sudden had a natural instinct to live by faith and to trust what God has to say and to do it. And that's not how it works. See guys, years ago, I heard a story. Just curious. How many of you heard who Zig Ziglar is? You're all over 40. (laughs) The crowd this morning, nobody under 40 knew who Zig Ziglar was. Years ago, I listened to Zig Ziglar. And Zig Ziglar was a motivational speaker. And he talked about being at the bank and the, and the teller telling him he had a counterfeit bill. And he explained to us about how, at least back in those days, I don't know how they still do it this way now, the way they taught bank tellers to recognize counterfeit bills was not to put them in a class and to show them all the signs of counterfeit bills to look for. The way they taught them how to recognize counterfeit bills was by letting them handle the real money. And Zig told the story about he was going through and uh, the girl's counting out money. I guess he had a lot of cash he was bringing in there. She's counting out and all of a sudden she stops. And she says, Mr. Ziegler, this is a, this is a fake $20 bill. You see, she didn't have to look at it. She could tell the difference because she'd handled real money every day. Guys, if you want to recognize your fear, you need to make the decision, the commitment that I want to live by faith. You see, guys, and I say make that commitment because even though that's what you signed up for when you made a decision to accept Jesus as the Lord of your life, I believe the majority of Christians try to avoid living that way the rest of their life. We don't like it. We want things to be certain. We want things to be Sure. And living by faith means you trust God for the result of what's going to happen. You see, guys, if you're committed to living by faith, it will reveal your fears. Your fears will will reveal themselves because they are in opposition to your faith. And let me throw something out here, guys. There's different ways to say when I talk about living by faith. That's one of the things I love about the Bible is it doesn't limit itself. God doesn't just tell you one thing one way. There's other ways that you can say it and you can put it in front of yourself. What's that? Well, this is in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 10. It says, For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. You see, guys, there's different ways to say that I will and live by faith. Another one is that I want to please the Lord. Another one is I want to be like Jesus. Another one is I want to be godly. I want to be like God. You see, guys, if you use any of those phrases to describe yourself, and you're sincere about them, and that is really what you're doing. You're saying, I want to live by faith. I want to trust what God has to say. I want to please the Lord. What pleases the Lord? Trusting what He says. Doing what He says. I want to be like Jesus. How do you be like Jesus? You do what God has said. You do what Jesus has said. If you do those things, your fears will show up in stark contrast to that faith. And you'll know what's opposing you. 
The same way a counterfeit dollar bill or $20 bill or $100 bill shows up to a bank teller as fake because they're used to handling the real thing. You see, guys, when you look at King Saul, living by faith is not what he was trying to do. I'll talk about this a little bit more later in the lesson, but he was more interested in how he looked to the people and he was more interested in saving his kingship and the kingship for his son. See, guys, look at this in verses 30 and 31 of 1 Samuel 15. After Saul finally acknowledges that he sinned, it says, Saul replied, I have sinned, but please honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel. Come back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. So Samuel went back with Saul and Saul worshiped the Lord. Guys, why is he concerned with... He has just blown it big time. I mean, he has just screwed up. And we're going to look at later. God's tearing the kingdom away from him. Saul's as king of Israel and his family being king of God's people ends with Saul. And he wants to be honored before the elders of the people. He's more concerned with how he looks than he is with making things right. He's more concerned with how he looks than becoming a man of faith. You see that, guys? That's why I say the first thing you got to do is you got to commit that I want to be a man of faith or a woman of faith. Second thing is you need to ask yourself the question, What motivates me? What motivates me? And I'm just going to throw this out here, guys. You need to know what motivates yourself. You need to know what motivates you. In Matthew chapter 25, there's a story that Jesus tells about a, a, a master who gives his servants money and he goes away on a trip. And the two servants, the first two servants do really well, put his money to work, double their money. They're faithful servants. The third servant comes forward, and this is the passage you see in your notes there on Matthew chapter 25. And this man is a good example. He says, the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered wheat. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. So here is what belongs to you. Now guys, this was an unfaithful servant. The Master refers to him as a wicked and lazy servant. But the guy knew why he was wicked and lazy. He was afraid. And guys, I want to tell you, I believe that we need to recognize our fears. Now, when it comes to our fears, you know, I just said we need to know. Now, it's a popular saying in movies, you know, especially the spy movies and the military movies. All of a sudden, somebody, you know, doesn't know something and says, why wasn't I informed of that? And what do they say? You're on a need-to-know basis. And you don't need to know. Well, I want to let you know, you do need to know your fears. 
And God has you not only on a need-to-know basis, but a want-to-know basis. What does that mean? Well, you need to know, and He's willing to let you know, but you got to want to know. You see, when you read through 1 Samuel 15, Saul didn't want to know. All he wanted was to be honored. He just wanted to be respected and celebrated for doing what God said to do. And he didn't want to be told. You're a fearful, faithless king. And when he was confronted with it, he denied it. He defended himself. He did not want to know. So guys, I think the second thing when it comes to recognizing your fears is you have to want to know. I believe that's the way God is. God has told us, number one, He said, he said the Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth. And number two, He has told us that if we seek, we will find. If we ask, it will be given. If we knock, the door will be opened. It tells us that in Matthew chapter 7. In James chapter 1, it says if anybody lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. What is he doing? He's promising you if you want wisdom, his wisdom by the way, not the wisdom of the world, he won't give you the lottery numbers. And if you want to know things that the Holy Spirit can reveal, he will tell you those things. But you have to seek. What does he say? If you seek, you will find. This is really difficult here. This is almost like algebra, but I'm going to ask it. What if you don't seek? You won't find. If you don't seek what your fears are, you won't find them. And they will continue to dominate, influence, and control you. I've been told by a counselor type of person that anger is a secondary emotion. Okay, that when somebody gets angry, most of the time it's not real anger. Okay, they're hurt, so they get angry. They're frustrated, so they get angry. And you see, guys, what I'm saying is a lot of times our reaction to things like you see with Saul, isn't about what's really going on. And we've got to look deep to see what those reactions are really all about. And guys, I, I encourage you, I challenge you, I invite you to invite the Holy Spirit into your life and ask God's Holy Spirit to reveal your fears to you so you can see what's opposing your faith. Third thing, we need to do if we're going to recognize our fear is stop defending my actions. I should have had this point number two. I realize you should stop something before you start something, but it was too late before I realized it. Guys, if you read through 1 Samuel 15, one of the things you are going to see is that Saul was constantly defending himself. Read this passage with me in 1 Samuel 15, verses 19 through 21. Samuel asked him, why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? 
But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag their king. The soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. Guys, this is well into the story, and Saul is still defending himself. He acknowledges his fear after this. Only after Samuel blows through all of his defenses. And guys, I encourage you. How eager are you to acknowledge your faults? Who wants to sign up for that? If we had a session, you know, come in and we have a a preacher who's a prophet. And if you come in, he will have a private setting and he will tell you everything you're doing wrong. Who signs up for that? Very few of us do. Because most of us are not eager to know what we're doing wrong. We don't like being wrong. In fact, I would venture to say that most of us fear, and I put myself in this, I fear, I have a natural fear, let me say, because I fight this. I have a natural fear to know when I'm wrong. And I believe that's most of us, guys. You've got to decide that you're willing to stop defending yourself. And guys, again, this gets back to having faith. What does faith have to do with being wrong and being willing to acknowledge I'm wrong? Guys, I'm forgiven. I am forgiven. The Word of God is that I am an imperfect, sinful man. That is truth. I can't deny it. I can't get away from it. But I'm also trust that I've been forgiven. So if I trust that I've been forgiven, why should I be afraid of where I'm wrong? Why should I be afraid of learning what my fears are? The last thing, guys, we want to talk about, if you want to recognize your fears, and this goes along with being a person of faith, is start aligning my thoughts with God's. Guys, this is what this passage in 2 Corinthians 10 is talking about. It says the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You see, guys, this is what we're supposed to do with our fears. We're supposed to make, we're supposed to take our fears captive and make them obedient to Christ. Now, the truth of the matter is, every one of us here has thoughts that don't align with God's. Do you know that? I don't care who you are, you do. You have thoughts that don't align with God's. I could talk all day about uh, traditions that churches have. 
Jesus described traditions as rules taught by men. And churches have a tendency to set them up to where they, uh, the rules that you, of things you have to do, things you're not supposed to do, um, and a lot of times, no, not a lot of times, the rules taught by men, they don't come from God. It's a tendency of a church to do that. But guys, I want to encourage you something. Something I've learned, and I hate to admit it, I have personal traditions. I have personal rules that I've come up with in my life. You know? How many of you believe your way of doing things is the best way of doing things? No honesty in this room. Most of us, that's the way we are. We like the way we do things. We believe that the way we do things is the best way for us. But the truth of the matter is, guys, as I just got back to us being sinful, imperfect human beings, not every one of our thoughts on how to do things our way isn't the right way. Not 100%. And guys, you've got to start saying, I've got to be willing to align my thoughts and my ways with God's ways. This Thursday, guys, uh, Greater Alton's core group of leaders is going to be fasting and praying. And we're fasting about, one of the things we're fasting specifically about is the unity of the church. And uh, we've been talking about this, we've been praying about this. Tim and Alan and I, uh, in our Wednesday morning meeting, have been talking for several months. We started talking a few months back about having what we, about the three of us having something internally that we work with called the Unified Vision Statement. And what what is that all about? It's just hey, this is this is how we agree that we should approach shepherding this church. Is what that's about. And as we talked, we we each took turns uh, sharing. This is this is what we this is what we think. This is what we have visions. For the church this is what we believe, and one of the things that we very clearly agreed on that came up—it uh, was repeated anyway. I don't know if it came up multiple times, but it was repeated: is that we believe that we should do things God's way instead of our way. And guys, I bring that up because I just want to ask you: is that your personal commitment? Okay, is that your personal commitment? That listen, I want my ways to be God's ways. That's the way I want to live my life, is God's ways. Is God's way. And am I willing to align that that way? You see guys, when you get, when we get back to Saul, he had something very clear. This is the way King Saul started out. God said to Saul, He says, you're my chosen king and I've given you my spirit to be with you. That's the way Saul started out. And Saul says, eventually anyway, he says, I like listening to my fears better than I like listening to your spirit. I trust my fears more than I trust you, God. I fear my fears more than I fear you, God. Essentially what he was telling God is, I do not believe you. And you see, the same pattern went on. Because at the end of chapter 15, what happens is, God rejects Saul as king. In verse 26, that's what it says. It says, but Samuel said to him, I will not go back with you. You have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you as king over Israel. You see, guys, and what happens is, 
Saul rejects even this. Saul rejects God's rejection of him. I mean, where the word of the Lord says, Saul, you're not going to be king. Your family's not going to be king. Your kingship ends with you. Where before he had promised him, his family would be king. He says, it ends with you. And even then you find later on, down in chapter 20, he's talking to his son. God has already anointed David to be the king that succeeds Saul. And Saul rejects all this, and he's telling his son, as long as David's alive, you'll never be king. And you see what's happened, guys. God has told him, I've rejected you of king. I've torn the kingdom from your hand. And Saul thinks he has a better way. He thinks he can work around God. And he thinks he can kill David and have his son Jonathan be king. Guys, my question is, right now today, where are you at? As we talk about this, and we talk about recognizing your fears, I'm sure there's some in this room who recognize their fears. There's people in this room who have made the decision, I want to be a person of faith. I want my ways to align with God. And you're very willing. There's others of you who you look at that, and you may not even realize that you're being opposed. You may not even realize how your fears are influencing and controlling you. And guys, today, as we close out, I just want to invite you, encourage you slash beg you to recognize your fears because they are opposing your faith. And God wants you to be a man or a woman of faith. Let's pray and we'll be done.